Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Penn East Pipeline versus New Jersey, certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit. Argued April 28, 2021. Decided June 29, 2021. If you're interested in uh, oil and gas or renewable law, you can find the Penn State Shale Law podcast on pretty much any podcast source, so go out there and find that. Congress passed the Natural Gas Act in 1938 to regulate the transportation and sale of natural gas in interstate commerce. To build an interstate pipeline, a natural gas company must obtain from the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission a certificate reflecting that such construction is or will be required by the present or future public convenience and necessity. That's uh, 15 U.S.C. Section 717F, Parent E. As originally enacted, the NGA did not provide a mechanism for certificate holders to secure property rights necessary to build pipelines, often leaving certificate holders with only an illusory right to build. Congress remediated this defect in 1947 by amending the NGA to authorize certificate holders to exercise the federal eminent domain power, thereby ensuring the certificates of public convenience and necessity could be given effect. See um, Section 717F, Parent H. FERC granted Petitioner Penn East Pipeline a Certificate of Public Convenience and Necessity authorizing construction of a 116-mile pipeline from Pennsylvania to New Jersey. Several parties, including Respondent New Jersey, petitioned for review of FERC's order in the D.C. Circuit. The D.C. Circuit had upheld, had held those proceedings in abeyance pending resolution of this case. Penn East filed various complaints in federal district court in New Jersey, seeking to exercise the federal eminent domain power under Section 717F, Parent H. To obtain rights of way along the pipeline route approved by FERC, as relevant here, Penn East sought to condemn parcels of land in which either New Jersey or the New Jersey Conservation Foundation asserts a property interest. New Jersey moved to dismiss Penn East's complaints on sovereign immunity grounds. The district court denied the motion, and it granted Penn East's request for a condemnation order and preliminary injunctive relief. The Third Circuit vacated the district court's order insofar as it awarded Penn East relief with respect to New Jersey's property interests. The Third Circuit concluded that because Section 717F, Parent H, did not clearly delegate, delegate to certificate holders the federal government's ability to sue non-consenting states, Penn East was not authorized to condemn New Jersey's property. The Supreme Court held, a decision below is reversed and remanded, and Chief Justice Roberts delivered the opinion of the court. Section 717F, parent H, authorizes for certificate holders to condemn all necessary rights of way, whether owned by private parties or states. The United States raises a threshold challenge to the Third Circuit's jurisdiction below on the grounds that Section 717R, Parent B, grants the Court of Appeals reviewing FERC's certificate order, here the D.C. Circuit, exclusive jurisdiction to affirm, modify, or set aside such order. The court rejects this challenge. The New 
New Jersey does not seek to modify FERC's order, it asserts a defense against the condemnation proceedings initiated by Penn East. The Third Circuit's decision that Section 717F Parent H does not grant natural gas companies the right to bring condemnation suits against states did not modify or set aside FERC's order, which neither purports to grant Penn East the right to file a condemnation suit against states, nor addresses whether Section 717F Parent H grants that right. Contrary to the argument of the United States, New Jersey's appeal is not collateral attack on the FERC order. The federal government has exercised its eminent domain authority since the founding, connecting our country through turnpikes, bridges, and railroads, and more recently through pipelines, telecommunications infrastructure, and electric transmission facilities. The court has upheld these exercises of the federal eminent domain power, whether by the government or a private corporation, whether through the upfront taking of property or a condemnation action, and whether against private property or state-owned land. Section 717F, parent H, falls within the established practice. Governments have long taken property for public use without the owner's consent. The United States is no different. While the Constitution and Bill of Rights did not use the term eminent domain, the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment, quote, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation, end quote, presupposed the existence of such a power. Initially, the federal government exercised its eminent domain authority in areas subject to exclusive federal jurisdiction. The court later confirmed that federal eminent domain extended to property within a state. That'd be a Cole versus United States. The court's decision in Cole which upheld the power of the United States to condemn land in Ohio to construct a federal building, observed that eminent domain was a means well known when the Constitution was adopted, and that the powers vested by the Constitution in the general government demand for their exercise the acquisition of lands in all, all the states. Cole involved the condemnation of private land, but the court subsequently made clear that the fact that land is owned by a state is no barrier to its condemnation by the United States. That's uh, Oklahoma X. Ralph Phillips versus Guy F. Atkinson. For as long as the eminent domain power has been exercised by the United States, it has also been delegated to private parties. The colonies, the states, and the federal government have commonly authorized the private condemnation of land for public works. And in the years following coal, the court confirmed that private delegatees like the United States can exercise the federal eminent domain power within the states. In Luxton versus North River Bridge, for example, the court rejected a landowner's claim that Congress could not delegate its authority to condemn property necessary to construct a bridge between New York and New Jersey. Congress had the sovereign power to construct bridges for interstate commerce and the court confirmed Congress could choose to do so through a corporation. These powers, the court noted, could be exercised with or without a concurrent act of the state in which the lands lie. Early cases also reflected the understanding that state property was not immune from the exercise of delegated federal eminent domain power. See Stockton versus Baltimore or Stockton versus Baltimore and NYR. Um, the contrary position that a federal delegatee 
could not condemn a state's land without the state's consent would give rise to the dilemma of requiring the consent of the state in virtually every infrastructure project authorized by the federal government. The court in Cherokee Nation versus Southern Kansas Railroad uh, echoed Stockton's explanation of the superior eminent domain power of the federal government when it rejected a challenge to a private railroad company's exercise of the federal eminent domain power against land owned by the Cherokees. In reaching that result, the court acknowledged that the national government, in the execution of its rightful authority, could exercise the power of eminent domain in these several states. And the court labeled as strange the notion that the federal government could not exercise the same power in a territory occupied by an Indian nation or tribe. Section 717F, parent H, delegates to certificate holders the power to condemn any necessary rights of way, including land in which a state holds an interest. This delegation of federal eminent domain authority is consistent with the nation's history and this court's precedents. FERC's issuance to a company of a certificate of public convenience and necessity to build a pipeline carries with it the power. If the company cannot acquire the necessary rights of way by contract at an agreed compensation to acquire the same by the exercise of the right of eminent domain, that's section 717F parent H, this delegation is categorical. By its terms, section 717F parent H delegates to certificate holders the power to condemn any necessary rights of way, including land in which the state holds an interest. Respondents contend that sovereign immunity bars condemnation actions against a non-consenting state. Alternatively, respondents contend that section 717F parent H does not speak with sufficient clarity to authorize such actions. The court rejects each argument for the reasons stated below. Uh, one, states' immunity from suit is a fundamental aspect of the sovereignty which the states enjoyed before the ratification of the Constitution. It's uh, Aden versus Maine. A state may be sued only in limited circumstances, including where the state expressly consents or where Congress clearly abrogates the state's immunity under the 14th Amendment. A state may also be sued if it has implicitly agreed to suit in the plan of the convention, which is shorthand for the structure of the original constitution itself. The court has looked to the plan of the convention to permit actions against non-consenting states in the context of bankruptcy proceedings, suits by other states, and suits by the federal government. Respondents do not dispute that the NGA empowers certificate holders to condemn private property but they contend that the same certificate holders have no power to condemn state-owned property under Section 717F, parent H. It is argued that the NGA cannot authorize such condemnation actions under the court's decision in Seminole Tribe of Florida versus Florida, which generally prohibits Congress from using its Article I powers to abrogate state sovereign immunity. But, congressional abrogation is not the only means of subjecting states to suit. The states implicitly consented to private condemnation suits when they ratified the Constitution, and respondents' arguments to the contrary cannot be squared with the court's precedents. Respondents do not dispute that the federal government enjoys a power of eminent domain superior to that of the states. 
or that the federal government can delegate that power to private parties. Respondents instead point to the absence of founding-era evidence of private condemnation suits against non-consenting states to maintain that states did not consent to such suits when they entered the federal system. Respondents would divorce the federal eminent domain power from the power to bring condemnation actions and then argue that the latter cannot be delegated to private parties with respect to state-owned lands. But the eminent domain power is inextricably intertwined with condemnation authority. Separating the two would diminish the eminent domain power of the federal sovereign, which the states may not do. See Cole. Absent the power to condemn states' property interests, the only constitutionally permissible way of exercising the federal eminent domain power would be to take property up front and require states to sue for compensation later. State sovereign immunity would not be served by favoring private government-supported invasions of state-owned lands over judicial proceedings. The court held in United States v. Texas that it does no violence to the inherent nature of sovereignty for a state to be sued by the government established for the common and equal benefit of the people of all the states. In so holding, the court did not insist upon examples from the founding era of federal suits against states. Similar, uh, similar structural considerations support the conclusion that states consented to the federal eminent domain power whether that power is exercised by the government or its delegatees. The absence of a perfect historical analog to the proceedings Penn East initiated below does not suggest otherwise. Finally, respondents argue that even if states agreed in the plan of the convention to con condemnation suits by federal government delegatees, the NGA does not authorize such suits with the clarity required by the court's precedents. There is no requirement, however, that the federal government speak with unmistakable clarity when authorizing a private party to exercise its eminent domain power. The decision below is reversed and remanded. Chief Justice Roberts delivered the opinion of the court in which Justices Breyer, Alito, Sotomayor, and Kavanaugh joined. Justice Gorsuch filed a dissenting opinion in which Justice Thomas joined. Justice Barrett filed a dissenting opinion in which Justices Thomas, Kagan, and Gorsuch joined. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, I can be reached at rhodesscholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S and the number 80. Uh, you can find a PayPal link in the show notes, or you can uh, find me on Patreon. And again, if you are interested in oil and gas or renewable law, please find my friends at the Penn State shale law podcast and there is also a penn state agricultural law podcast if you're interested in that